SOS show brought to you by the Who No Network. Remember, it's don't drown in the sea of transition. Grab the Vet SOS Life Preserver. I am so happy, Mark, to be back here with our next guest, Jane Babcock. Ms. Welcome, Babcock Jane. Helping potential recruits, military members, and veterans understand their current or future benefit eligibilities for over 20 years. Now retired. Uh, from the Kiwanee County's Veteran Service Office, Jane continues to enjoy the chance to meet and teach veterans, their family members, and various service providers who frequently interact with our fellow veterans. She's a wealth of knowledge. I've personally done, I think we talked at least 30 minutes about the different benefits that I needed to check out. Uh, just a huge wealth, wealth of uh, knowledge. Jane, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on. How are you doing today? Uh-oh, I think you're muted. Oh yeah, we're we're not getting your audio, Jane. So while she's coming in with her audio, um, one of the things that we can do on the front end is uh, make sure that you connect with Jane. I'm going to put up her LinkedIn information here in the lower third. So uh, be sure to connect with her because, like Sean said, I mean she is a just a wealth of knowledge and is going to have a ton of resources for you guys. Hi guys, can you hear me now? Yes. Uh, hey, welcome, Jane. Perfect. I just wanted to say hello. Yes, life is getting much better now that uh, the bruising from my accident has disappeared, so I can be on camera. <laughs> that is, but that... sometimes age brings a an uncoordination that we didn't expect. <laughs> it can. Yes, it can. I'm learning that much earlier than I wanted to, I think. So yeah, it's surprising. We don't feel our age, but yet we have a tendency to act it sometimes. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit more uh, about what you're doing. I mean, and uh, so you're up in Kiwani. You're in Wisconsin, right? Yes. I actually live in a little town called Manitowoc, which is south of the city of Manitowoc. I see. Okay. You did really good saying Kiwani. Most people don't get it right. Or even well, I'm from a little town west of Rockford, Illinois, right on the border. Okay, so, so you yep. Indian their uh, dialect. Yes, there we go. <laughs> so, well, tell yeah, tell us more about um, you know the Keewana County's uh, VSO and what you guys are doing, some of the resources that you bring in. Well, I'm retired from the office, so I'm no longer technically an accredited veteran service officer, but I spent 12 years. I started out in the in Manitowoc City and then moved up to Kiwani a few uh, seven years later, but I'm not physically moved. I still live down south of Manitowoc. So, as a veteran service officer, whether you work for a county, a state, or a veteran organization, you have to go through annual training. You have to first do your initial training along with state training. You have to take a four-hour test. You have to be cleared by the VA to have access to their computer network. So that is really, and the other most important thing is they're free. Do not ever pay someone to help you with a VA application or to file an initial claim. Now, if you do get to the point where you're talking about going to a Washington DC board, then yes, that's a good time to have 
representation at the national level, either through a national organization or through a lawyer, a VA lawyer. But please don't pay. There's so many services out there nowadays that say, we'll help you file your VA claim. But they're not even accredited. They can't file a claim. So they actually have you do it. They just tell you how to do it. Mm -hmm. And yet they're going to charge you. You bring up a great point too, which we say with the Who You Know Network, which is, you know, because we're helping everybody, not just veterans in that network. Um, but a lot of people are saying, you know, hey, do you know a resume writer? Do you know a coach, you know, and or do you know a headhunter? And, you know, okay. some of these people are coming at folks in career transition, you know, with like $1,500, $3,000, $5,000 tags, you know, to get them landed to their next successful position. And we say that this all the time, like, yes, yeah, sometimes you need to hire somebody and sometimes you get what you pay for, but there are so many free resources out there. And such is the case with VSOs and, you know, especially the VA side, the county, um, state and, and nationally, don't pay for resources when there's people that are out here paying it for giving back, right? Yeah. Just There's 32 states that pay out of your tax dollars and then there's other states that pay at the state level. So if you're looking for a great job. <laughs> well, that was a question I had too. Do you, you know, as a, as a, a veteran getting out of the service, you know, you're going through that process and learning all about your benefits that you're getting. And for somebody who is interested in saying, Hey, I'd love, I love helping people. I love giving back. And now I'm learning about all these resources. How hard is it for somebody who's in transition from active duty to get on board with the VA or on board with one of like the county, state or, or federal? Totally easy. I had no idea what a VSO was. And I had been out, I was hired in 07, but I had been out since 04. And I had no idea. I saw an ad in the newspaper and I said, huh, County Veterans Service Office. I wonder what they do. So someone said to me, oh, you'd be great at it. You're such a personable person. And at the time I was working at the job center, helping people that were laid off, get their unemployment set up. Uh, if they fell under one of the trade acts, I was able to get them enrolled in school and things like that. They said, oh, you already have the fundamental understanding. Just go and help. And I went down and I had to take a civil service test here in our state, you do, which really had nothing to do with the job. <laughs> but they, I guess they felt the need to have a requirement. And um, unfortunately, I was hired by a boss that I think thought that, oh, a female, she'll be quiet. She'll sit at her desk and do her job and Oops. not cause a lot of commotion. And you're just in there rocking the boat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Had a lot of success rocking the boat, but Excellent. also had several loud discussions with him about his lack of desire to help. So I left there and went up to Kiwani and okay. up there, they couldn't fall over themselves quick enough to help me here. What do you need? Oh, you need to get this. You need to buy that. You need more money in the relief fund. Here you go. So it was great working up there. 
and the best part was the friends I made up there. So if Tara is seeing this, hello, Tara. <laughs> we, we need people with that kind of passion, though, in, in this field. And, um, and it, you know, you, you're talking about all those guys that you pay to do your claims and stuff like that makes me think of, you know, all those car, used car dealerships out there that charge, you know, 50% interest to a private because they know how much they're making. And that just, I didn't realize it was that bad. Um, but I, I love your story, what you do and, and how you, you have fought and, and you rock the boat. I'm a passionate boat rocker myself, so <laughs> I can definitely appreciate that. But are there other things you're working on? Definitely. Um, unfortunately, Lack of knowledge strikes both in the military and outside the military for us. There are a lot of, especially reserve and national guard, that's where I see it the most. And that is, you get injured, you walk into the unit administrator and you say, hey, like myself in 2003, walked in and said, hey, this, the neurosurgeon wants to cut my throat and he wants to put screws and strapping in my neck to hold my neck back together because we didn't realize that eight months before that, I'd actually started the collapsing of a disc in my neck. At a, on my part, stupid training accident at the high tech in California, getting ready to go to Afghanistan. And so they just went, oh, well, aren't you lucky you have, you, you have 21 plus, you're gonna be in the retired reserves, sign here. And I said, okay, is that what I'm supposed to do? And they went, yep. And I said, okay, cause I was stoned on Vicodin. <laughs> what should have happened is they should have sent me through the med board process. But as typical, the unit administrator was not someone that had years and years and years or decades of experience with regulations as far as personnel went. Just a few years before, he worked with choo-choo trains in the Army. <laughs> not his fault, but when you start going up the chain of command to the people that actually had the experience, everybody chose to ignore what was going on because it was much easier because a reservist or National Guard member can take three years to get to a med board. And they have to pay you because you have to go in once a month and go, eh, I'm still alive. And you walk in, you walk out, and they pay you for one UDA. So that's a lot of paperwork for them. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of maintaining records and stuff like that, that they don't want to do. So they just sign you off in the retired reserves because you don't ask if what should be happening is a med board. The last young man I worked with just before I left Kiwani was a young man with 24 years in service, two deployments. He'd been in an IED incident and the collapsing discs were in his back. The VA had already rated him. The VA had already scheduled him to have a pain implant put into his spine because he was at the point where he couldn't stand for 15 minutes. He couldn't lay down for 15 minutes without muscle spasms. And yet his unit went, oh, well, in that case, you're going to get relief. You're going to get your disability pay. So you're in the retired reserves. Not considering the fact that he was going out without insurance, without pay, and the inability to work. 
but being a stubborn soldier, <laughs> he stayed at work. His employer made job modifications, which allowed him to continue working. And unfortunately, that prevented him from getting unemployability from the VA. Mm. So he had this circle. But luckily, a Lieutenant General Maria Gervais at the Pentagon, who I spoke with about his situation, has a team of people that she's putting together to deal with some of these cases. But bureaucracy is still a long path to travel. So he's working with them and hopefully we'll get that resolved for him. Yeah, that's great. What about, <clears throat> so I have heard here locally and I'm in the Dallas-Fort Worth area in Texas, North Texas, um, you know, pretty good VA system. You've got the Dallas and then right down the road, Bonham um, uh, VA hospitals. But I've seen through those organizations, through the regional VA offices here, like um, not career fairs, but like hiring um, resources and networking groups. And they'll have speakers come in and talk with veterans who are in transition. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that, about how people can find that information? Uh, maybe, you know, regionally, if they're, you know, in Wisconsin or Illinois or California, Georgia, wherever they're at? First and foremost, start with your local county. Start with your local organizations, your VFWs, American Legion, AMVETS, DAV, all those guys. I was, as a CVSO, we could cross accredit. So I was cross accredited with five of the national organizations. Ah, excellent. And that allowed me to you know, if a guy came in and said, well, I'm a member of a VFW and I want to file for hearing loss because I was on the flight line. Okay. I will assign you to your organization and represent you through your organization so that if you had to go to national, to go to a board of veterans appeals or any of that kind of stuff, then your organization will be able to serve you at that level. And they will uh, apply your history to your claim. Yes. Yeah, that, that's important information. When I got out and was uh, transitioning in the civilian sector, um, well, actually into, back into school <laughs> first, um, I went through that process. And this was, you know, like maybe 2000, 2001. Um, I had no frame of reference. And I went to my county office. This was in northern, again, northern Illinois, Stevenson County. Um, Good program. The gentlemen that worked there were very helpful, um, but I didn't understand that there's these other affiliations, like you had said, that you can be that are accredited that can help. And so ultimately, I did end up getting with the Military Order of the Purple Heart, um, and and I have a question on that too. But that's one of the things that you really need to make sure that you're plugging into because if you're trying to do it on your own. I mean, it's like the job search. If you're trying to go it on your own, man, what a lonely, you know, hard uh, road to toe. So I, I, I would say definitely check out that county office, but uh, make sure that you get affiliated and you're getting help from some of those organizations that are accredited yes. to help like that. Um, my question was the, the military order, the Purple Heart. I actually just was contacted maybe earlier this year that said they're no longer able to represent me. Um, so I don't know if you knew what was going on with, with their organization organization no i don't know what's going on with their organization but i will definitely check into that 
Um, it may just be the region you're in. It may be that their accredited person has either retired or, God forbid, passed away. And so they're no longer covering your region of the United States. But again, that's where it can be real important to work with a county rep or a state rep if you have one, because they have those multiple organizations. Once they have access, it's real easy for you to, if you had to, switch over. It's like the Vietnam veterans right now they're eliminating their representation only because of their age. Those guys mm -hmm. are all 65 and older. Mm -hmm. So the only ones out here that are really doing the case representation are the county and state guys that are cross accredited to them. Mm. So I did have a question on the county thing. You know how, you know, military, you, you serve in whatever state you're assigned to, but you may be a resident of a different state. Does it matter in that sense? Like, so I'm a Florida resident. I'm currently in Georgia. If I was going to file everything or start looking into all that, would it behoove me to just do it locally? Or do I have to go back to Florida and find something aligned with my... Uh, no, 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 no. Wherever you live. Okay. That's because they're going to want to scan in records for you so that they show up because they have access to the VA's actual claims network. They can scan documents right into your claims file. Oh, wow. They scan them into the VA. The VA looks them over, says, yes, this is clear and readable. Oh, this is a birth certificate. Labels it birth certificate. And it goes into your file. So... You want to work with somebody local because they get that phone call or that email from a claims agent saying, hey, you referenced that he has two children, but I only see one birth certificate. Well, now he can get a hold of you and say, hey, do you have the other birth certificate? Quick, get it here. We'll scan it in for you. Because there's dependent pay once you're at 30% or greater. And then later on in life, if that child were special needs, they can actually stay on your claim your entire life. And then if that child, if something happens to you and that child is allowed benefits through a related service-related death, then that information is already there. That's why working with a claims agent can be so beneficial if something happens to you. Because they already know how and who to help. They can pre-stage a lot of stuff so that your spouse or, you know, your widow or your children can come in and do what they need to do. I, uh, I know we're, um, talking about, you know, some of the benefits, um, also trying to, you know, maybe relate it with transition. Um, another question that I had, and I, I've, I've been loosely aware of some of the resources that are out there, but what about like training benefits, voc rehab, things like that? Can you talk a little bit more about those opportunities? Sure enough. Well, of course, you've got your GI Bill, and they can help you with the contacts and things like that, to who to get a hold of. They can send messages off to those representatives and say, hey, you know, we're having a problem getting this child's eligibility approved, even though it was already set up in service, or the pay hasn't started. What's going on holding on to this case? Um, or we need to get into voc rehab. Now, do you want to go into voc rehab to learn how to set up your own business, how to do business plans and all the other things and have a mentor to work with you on that? Or do you want to go to college 
oh, you've already got a college degree. Now we need to convince folk rehab that there's a need for you to go back either for a different degree and or a master's. How do you how do you qualify for that? Does everybody qualify for that or do you have to have a rating? Yeah, you do have to have a rating okay. and you do have to show that there's some impact to your employability. You know, so once that's established or they can work with strictly employment process, you know, oh, you're looking for this type of job. Are you willing to relocate? Are you, you know, what, what are your needs to get that job? Oh, are, do we need to work with that employer? Now you're wheelchair bound? Okay, now we can work with your potential future employer to do ergonomic studies of your work area and provide equipment and things like that. Um, part of my rating is nerve damage in my arm from my neck and, and a shoulder injury. And they actually offered me Dragon software when I first became a CVSO, when I found out about the VA. <laughs> and that's great, but guess what? It doesn't work with the VA software. <laughs> oh, man, okay. <laughs> Give you a nice but, shiny new toy that you can't play with. Yeah, and through that same county or state rep, you're gonna learn about their state vocational rehabilitation programs. You're gonna learn about their state education programs. Here in Wisconsin, we have four additional years, 128 credits of GI Bill from Wisconsin. So if yours is already gone or you're gonna go beyond the need that it covers, the state of Wisconsin, if you're going to a state school, a state college, state tech, gives us another 128 credits of free wow. tuition free. And also at 30%, our dependents get it. Children up to 26 and a spouse up to 10 years after the last child turns 18. So we have the opportunity to educate the entire family here. And if you're not a home of record soldier, all you have to be is living here five years. So if you're a, you know, peacetime guy that served, say, in the early 80s, that GI Bill, once you're here for five years, becomes another education source for you. Well, yeah, that was another question I had was, you know, I've, I've been out for 20 plus years. Sean, you're getting ready to get out. Um, is there an expiration time that you have to get those benefits or can you, is it perpetual? No, VA is a lifetime. So I've helped one of my Korean war veterans suffered frostbite. He had been in a field hospital. He'd been shot. And then the field hospital had been overrun and blown up. And he was stuck in the frozen rubble for a day and a half before a group of Marines came in, saved his life. But we had to go and find one of the Marines to testify, to write a witness statement, what they call buddy statements. You know, it's not certified or any of that. It's just simply, I've known Jim since. This is the events that, and these are what, this is how he got hurt. So... I actually had to go on the internet and post little messages all over on different marine sites and different history sites that involve the events that of that village being blown up. And mm -hmm. I finally, after six months, a guy called me up and said, I think I'm one of the Marines you're looking for. Wow. 
So he was able to write a statement about my guys being taken out of the rubble, the fact that he had frostbite at the time, and that they warmed him up and a week later put him back with his unit. Well, there was no medical records, but that witness statement is what got my guy not only in the VA, which he, like I, had never heard of the VA as far as what they could do. Um, and he went from never having been in VA to 100% service-connected disabled. And a few years later, when he needed nursing home care, they provided it to him for free. That's that's an amazing story. So, hey, Jane, so we're, we're coming down to the last few minutes here. Um, what what can veterans and transitioning service members do? What how how can we set ourselves up for success to 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 really make sure we're taking full advantage of the the VA benefits that are out there? Yes. First and foremost, never fight VA without help, <laughs> accredited help. VA, the regulation for VA is about this thick. So if you can't understand legal language, you're going to struggle. And there's no reason to. As long as you know what's necessary, what's acceptable evidence and stuff. They, the veteran service officer will do that for you. An accredited veteran service officer studies that manual. And then, and they have all the hundreds of backdoor telephone numbers so they can pick up a phone and say, my guy just got cancer diagnosis. I want that claim expedited. Or he just lost his job and he's got three kids at home. He's going to be in financial hardship. One past due bill will get your claim moved forward. But who do you contact? How do you let them know? And what evidence do you need? So if you're already out, get with your local VSO. Call your county, your state, and your local posts. They know. If you're still in, organize your paperwork as far as access to your medical records. If you have it electronically now. And then also if you have injuries or things that happen to you in service that aren't in your medical records, Find those guys and gals that will write those statements. He jumped off the back of the deuce and a half when we were on a convoy, and his knee was purple for two days. Ta-da! That's your medical record. So if you're in and you know where you're going to have your LZ, call that county or state and say, hey, I want to meet this person. I want to talk to them. Find out what organizations they're part of. Oh, they're part of DAV. I will use DAV when I go through transition. That way, they will be able to simply I sign off on their request to view this file, and that new person back home will be able to do it for me. Start your planning. It's never too late. Please do not wait till the last couple months. You will be behind the eight ball in everything. Outstanding advice. Always a pleasure talking to you, Jane. Um, and, and I encourage everybody out there, if you're about to transition, you have questions on the VA, reach out to Jane. She is a wealth of information. No doubt she'll help point you in the right direction. I'll um, send you all the free tools. You do the reading and then get back to me and I'll be happy to answer questions. But I, I still haven't gotten through everything you sent me. <laughs> yes, everything applies. Don't think that the VA pension is only for those over 65. 
there's unfortunately too many young men and women in the United States that are living below poverty when they don't need to be. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again, Jane. And uh, I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in to the Vet SOS show. And remember, don't drown in the sea of transition. Grab the Vet SOS Life Preserver. We will talk to you later. Take care. Thanks,